Captain's Bog, Da Witch. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Tellarite Biker Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Raytheon, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go to Natalie Imbruglia's Torn! So the Trek the Podcast is here, one half vegan, one half queer, a hundred percent communist, unless we have a less leftist guest, with Patrick and Britton, talking, joking, farting and shitting. Star Trek, like our buttholes, this show is Rex. Soy Trek, the podcast is here, so listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves, what kind of crimes would we be punished for if our holograms programs were revealed? Woof. Yeah. What, what, uh, <laughs> I'd probably have ones that are just like, I'd probably have murder hobo ones. Where you murder hobos? No, well, like, you know, that term in Dungeons and Dragons when, uh, no, I don't. Oh, uh, it's, it's like, an, I, I know the term where you, Pat, <laughs> want to murder hobos. No. And you talk about it all the time where, when we're where, not recording. Where, like, the, yeah. you know, your character is just an insane psychopath that just kills people. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. So, like, uh, you know, that's a big problem, you know, you have sometimes and with D&D groups, like, there's always one guy who just wants to, doesn't want to do the story and just wants to, kill and fight and just do the most insane things you could possibly do. So I'd probably have like, you know, a little, you know, relaxation, you know, you know, ones where I just go do that. So you're talking, you, you definitely do the Jenkin Pog. Yes. I'd probably do a Jenkin Pog type thing. Probably do a Jenkin Pog. We'll get into the Jenkin Pog. We'll get into (laughs) what the Jenkin Pog is. Yes. Uh, me, I do some kinky shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you, you would have, um, whatever, uh, uh, whatever just, whatever the SVU is of the Star Trek world. <laughs> it's like a special victims unit. A computer, play a, a holodeck history of programs. Uh, Britain dot two. <laughs> what if a gape was big enough to walk inside? <laughs> dun dun. So yeah, it's just, you know, big, long pink sock. Yeah. Big pink hallway. <laughs> <laughs> the big you'd, old pinky brown hallway. You'd, you'd have Star Trek Stabler and Benson coming to your mm, door and coming to my door already. Yeah, you'd be going. You'd be going to um, to Australia. Oh yeah, <laughs> good day, mate. You'd be going to the prison colony on on Australia. Mm, we'd like that. Yeah, why not? There's like you know, there's uh, there's ruse there. Yeah, koalas. Pa- Paris was there, right? Yeah, Paris was there. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Those deadliest animals of the world just hanging out with a bunch of prisoners. And koalas. And koalas. Koalas are cute as hell. Yeah. What I, I have heard they're really stupid. So am I. <laughs> cool. We can be bros. Yeah. We can be himbos together. It'll be fun. Bathe them bows. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, so, uh, what's been going on with uh, you and Trek this week? You watch anything new on Trek? Any, any new Trek besides Prodigy? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you came over last week and before we watched the thing, you watched uh, 
some Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, we watched some Discovery episodes and yeah. Yeah, I mean I just have like other little things I watch, but Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching through season three of Discovery. Yeah. So. It's a slog. It's a little bit of a slog, yeah. <laughs> season lie. four is worse. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, actually yeah. Like uh yeah, I think I said before, like I can't tell any of the season four episodes apart from each other. They're all just it all just seems like one really long turd. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about like Picard season two. Like after the second episode, I'm like, what? And then it ended and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, the the Picard episodes, they just have like this this bland, just bland. Like the only one that really stands out to me is the the FBI agent episode. Just because how just completely insane that is. Yeah, and how like Guinan had the fucking Q vodka. Yeah. Or whatever. And she's able to project uh, herself into uh, Picard's mind. Or uh-huh. it's like, what is going on? We're in just inventing powers for her now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Picard is like one of those things that, unless I'm forced to, like for this podcast, I don't know if I'll ever go back and rewatch it. It's just like so miserable. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't go back and rewatch it. Like I think when we had a Picard episode to re- review, uh, I did watch another one. Yeah, I, like, I watched the one right after that. And yeah, it's like, oh my god, why? <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Why did they make this? Why? Why? But you know, we'll see. Hey, baby cat. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how season three goes. Sorry, my baby cat just came out from under the bed, and yeah. I have to uh, let her out of the room. Yeah, let her out. Hey, lady. I love you. Kitty, 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 kitty. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. There she go. Oh, she hauling ass. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she's, she's a very skittish girl. She uh, she runs to and fro. She skitters and mm-hmm. scatters. Pitters and patters. Mm-hmm. Good good girl. Okay. Though, does, she, is she, does she squirt or is she on the cream team? Whoa, that's my cat. <laughs> that's my cat you're talking about. I suspect cream team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's, that's what most cats are. Most cats are, you know. The squirt, the squirting, the squirting of fire. That's more, that's more that dog pusher. You know? <laughs> uh, so we watched some uh, new Star Trek prodigies this week. Let's get into it. Speaking of dog... He's a Nate dog. Oh. Nothing but a prodigy thing, baby. Just two dumb assholes talking crazy. Soy Trek is a podcast that pays man. A cap, so please don't try to mace man. Hey, look at that. It is Star Trek Prodigy, season one, episode 17. Ghost in the machine. 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 Yeah. Uh, released today. Uh, Today? Today. Today. Uh, Thursday, December 8th, 2022. This one was written by Chad Quant, a staff writer uh, who formerly wrote uh, for Teen Titans Go and wrote the third episode of the series. And then this one. And Hmm. directed by Andrew L. Schmidt, who is best known as a former Pixar animator, who's also worked on four different series with writer Chad Quant, including like uh, Troll Hunter, I guess, a series that was pretty well received. I didn't see it. So, um, yeah, uh, good on them. Um, we open on an alarm sounding and Gwyn saying they have rogue Romulan factions moving in behind them. The Dauntless is locked onto them and they're hailing. Dahl asks how the shields look 
and they're a max. The Dauntless uh, launches some torpedoes at them, bringing the shields to 23%. Uh, Dahl has Rock send a message about the construct on board via Morse code on their phasers, which is actually a great idea, yeah. but the Dauntless doesn't receive it. Yeah, that's why I don't get why there's not more visual means of communicating, like Morse code and stuff. Like The, the Gorn communicate through visual means remember yeah i'm like yeah because and that and then that is something that happens in discovery season four like they end up uh creating like a um a fake language with the dma or the s10 i don't know the dma yeah. <laughs> with the uh with the aliens uh because um they don't speak a uh a language we we can translate so they use like uh they develop a uh a a light system and scent system type thing it's really weird but uh, they like someone accidentally farts and like <laughs> yeah. totally ruins the political mission. Like, wait, wait, did you just fart? Well, they like spray like uh, pheromones or something to 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 uh, to communicate different emotions and how it translates. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, but they do like uh, different light flashing stuff. And I mm -hmm. like I feel like I mean, that's something that's existed since, you know, you know, uh uh, seafaring ships, you know, oh, they, yeah. we communicated with lights. One of my land, two of my sea. Yeah, you know, putting a candle up in the house. Yeah, putting the candle up, or yeah, yeah like they're pushing the, the doing the Morse code through the light. So it's like I feel like a uh, a uh, space a spaceship can easily do that. Mm -hmm. So the Dauntless fires two more to torpedoes, and the Protostar loses its shields. The Dauntless locks a tractor beam on them, and they try to get rid of it by firing phasers, but to no avail. The Dauntless fires a final torpedo, and everybody braces for impact as Dahl yells for the computer to end the simulation. Jinkum Pog says that maybe they'll nail it the 87th time. Dahl says no matter what they try, they lose every time. Rock says they'll find a way out of the neutral zone and get to the Federation. Quinn mm -hmm. suggests that maybe it's time to give up on Starfleet. <laughs> Yeah, I like how they developed their own uh, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting, especially since they already had the episode Kobayashi. Yeah, where they go through that. That's why like, I was thinking. I'm like, okay, this is definitely a um, a uh, a holodeck simulator. Mm -hmm. uh, what they're doing right now. When I first started, I was like, yeah, but this is this is definitely harkening back to a Kobayashi Maru type test. Type test, yeah, but yeah. not exactly the same but, thing because they're actually trying to put it into practical use here in a no-win situation that yes. they're in, which makes sense actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just then, Hall of Janeway walks in and notes that it's like a funeral in the room. <laughs> Dahl says it might as well be because he likes to fuck dead things. <laughs> and tells her uh, their dreams of joining the Federation are dead. Hall of Janeway says to get some rest, as sometimes the solutions you're missing today will be clear tomorrow. Jenkin Pog says he knows the solution and next, we see the crew having an ice cream social as Gwyn ponders what kind of monster would whip cream. <laughs> Dahl commiserates while eating his ice cream, noting that he's just an accident from a Petri dish. He's still on about that, which he yeah. should be. I would still be depressed, too. Yeah, I would let it go. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. But like, if you found out you're all recessive genes, you'd probably be like, oh... <laughs> but then he's also like he has his own spaceship that creates unlimited amounts of ice cream so I'd be like okay this is pretty tight yeah. listen <laughs> I'm just assuming he has a micro penis and that's like the source of all of his frustrations about all of this which 
honestly, I'd get that. You know, if I didn't have a big dong, life would suck. He could use his little his little tail whip thing on the back of his head. Yeah, I mean, he could, but do you think he really knows how to? Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, learning how to do something like that and use that, um, like, requires practice. Yeah. And, you know, practice requires a partner. So it's really a chicken or the egg type thing here when it comes to, like, incels. Is you can't, they can't get good at sex because they can't get sex in the first place. Well, that's a, that's a thing that I think would also be solved by holodecks because he could do all the practice and he wants. Like, that's, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, is the holodeck ever going to be like, oh, you fucking suck at sex. <laughs> you know, just safety protocols off. <laughs> Honesty protocols, 100%. <laughs> Kindness protocols, zero. Kindness <laughs> protocols, zero. Give it to me straight. Dommy mommy protocols, <laughs> 1,000. <laughs> and then afterwards be like, safety protocols off. Manifest gun. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, Jenkum says Dahl has ordered himself two more scoops of sadness and serves him more ice cream. Hells yeah. Jenkum then says that the Tellarite officer said a lot of mean things about him. So he gets more ice cream as well. <laughs> Gwen says she'd like to slap her father for what he's done to her. And then puts the whipped cream canister in her mouth and takes a fat fucking whip it. Yeah. Like like a fucking fish fan would. <laughs> like a Dave Matthews band concert type whip it. And I'm I was like I was just like sitting there, I'm like, excuse me? And I and was thinking looked, that was yeah. a whip that is a whip it whip cre- uh, whip can. Uh-huh. Like uh, that's not it wasn't just like a whipped cream thing. That was like, you know, mm-hmm. a whip it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh kudos to the to the writer for getting that through. Yeah. You're a real G. Yeah, totally. you know, and that's the thing. She can, you know, she's just doing doing whippets in a very safe space with yeah. her buddies. You know, so I don't eating do, ice cream. I don't do whippets very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time I did a whippet was uh, on on election day. Mm. Um, when you needed it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know if you. I need I need the oxygen to stop going to my brain. Well, yeah, no. So so I, I do a thing every year. Well, I, I used to um uh, every year or not every. year. Well, every time I, I got to vote, sometimes twice a year, mm-hmm. um, I'd, uh, you know, fill out my ballot and then I would uh, go because it's about a mile and a half walk from here to the uh, my, my city hall where the ballot drop off is. Mm-hmm. I'd, uh, I'd walk there and like get a beer on the way and drink it and then get a beer on the way back. And it was like kind of a ritual. And I've been doing that for years. And, yeah. uh, you know, I stopped drinking uh, last year, um, mm-hmm. this, this year, best year, earlier mm-hmm. this year. And uh, so it was like, I, I, I would still like to do that ritual, but I'd like to do something else. And so, you know, I was like, how about I smoke like a fat blunt and do a fucking whip it? <laughs> and uh, I did. And it was wonderful. Yeah. And so I went, you know, to City Hall at like, you know, 9 p.m. It was super dark and everything. And, you know, I just fucking lit up a fat blunt, smoked it down to the end. And then like, as I got to the end, I took a huge hit and then took a huge fucking whip it and put my ballot in. And voted <laughs> for like two people, and I left most of it blank because yeah. most of those people don't deserve my vote. Yeah, for those I always just wrote in some some random name, mm-hmm. usually my own. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I yeah. just be like, yeah, you know what? Why not? There, it'd be funny if you know, other people were voting for a Patrick, you know, and mm-hmm. and I get voted in somehow. <laughs> I, I specifically never vote for anyone named Patrick in fear that that will happen. God, yeah. you'll be put in that, office. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, like. <laughs> Nobody named Patrick. I'm like, I mean, I definitely know that's not Hoey, but still can't vote for him. <laughs> can't can't do right. it. Sorry, Patrick Leahy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
Jinkum, uh, so Jinkum, uh, no, whip it, done. Okay, so after the ice cream social, the crew walk out into the hallway and resolve to meet the next day at 0800 to do the simulation again. Doll goes to his room, which is like the captain's lounge, and collapses on the giant bed. As his head hits the pillow and the lights go off, some music begins to play. He tells the computer to turn the music off, but it won't. Over in Gwen's bunk, she's doing pull-ups on her heirloom, which is kind of sick as fuck. Yeah. But also, it's weird that like everyone else has to use the bunk and Doll gets the captain's lounge. Yeah, is there no other... like? Um officer's quarters and if not like i would sleep i would like i would honestly use the holodeck i would make it a sick-ass bedroom a different bedroom maybe every night and just sleep there yeah wouldn't that be cool yeah yeah you have like a little thing where you can camp out in the in some wilderness or something Ooh, or oh you could sleep in the gape tunnel (laughs) sleep in the gape tunnel sleep in the gape tunnel baby (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it just seems weird like but i also think i remember them choosing like they want to all sleep in the bunk beds together Mm -hmm. Because they get, because like a, it's a sort of community type thing, but something that Doll does not participate in because <laughs> he wants his giant ass bed. Oh, I, uh, I just typed in uh, sleeping in the holiday uh, gape tunnel, and uh, my my pad here uh, recommended whole deck, which I really like. Mm. Thank, thank you. Uh, oh, so yeah, you make that holodeck into a whole deck. Whole deck. H O L E. I'm going to hold dick. Yeah, because why not? Like, yeah, you could. And also, like, you could, yeah, just, like, make it seem like you're shrunk to scale, like a honey, I shrunk the kids type thing. Mm-hmm. But you could just... Uh, like, <laughs> honey, I spunk the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and just sleep inside of a dick hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I want someone to sound with me. Yeah. Um. So, wow. Uh, so, <clears throat> Gwyn uh, is doing pull-ups on her heirloom when somebody wanders behind her in the doorway. She stops doing pull-ups and pages the crew, asking if anybody else saw a feral, malnourished human being wandering the ship. So who was that? Uh, given the description, I assume someone like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, just, I, I'm just kidding. You're well-nourished. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell. I was just like, wait, who was that? And I thought it was going to come. I couldn't tell either. Yeah, yeah I thought it was, was going to come back fast. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it like three times, and I still didn't <laughs> yeah. catch it uh, so Jenkum responds saying he hasn't, but some odd looking glittery puffball is giving him kissy lips. <laughs> uh, Rock yells glitter smooch and runs and hugs the creature who smiles and coos when Rock picks them up. Uh, your girlfriend's going to be obsessed with this thing, I think. Yeah, I assume so, yeah. <laughs> um, so she says she takes care of them in their uh, her veterinary holodeck program. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess, what Rock likes to do for. Yeah, and what, uh, like the way she described it, I'm and like, uh, and and later on, like I assume, like it's some sort of like program that's kind of like a, a mobile game where you have to like care and yeah, and like feed hundred percent, like yeah, really yeah. cute animals. Yeah, like a sort of like Pokemon game or yeah, something. It, it's definitely not like a veterinary thing where you like have to repair a dog's leg and then like <laughs> fix a cat's bowels so it doesn't keep shitting all over someone's carpet and then but... euthanize a horse. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny if, like, Rock was like, I know the solution to this. We got to put you down, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Takes out that thing that the dude used in uh, in No Country for Old Men. (laughs) (laughs) Just a pneumatic bolt to the back of the head of a glitter smooch. (laughs) She's with angels now. (laughs) 
so uh, Jenkum wonders how they got out of the holodeck uh, and Zero chimes in to postulate there must be a malfunction with the hollow emitters. Gwyn says that would explain the feral human. Mm. Zero says that something like that doesn't really make sense, though, as the creatures aren't permitted to leave the holodeck unless they never left the holodeck. This is some Black Mirror shit. Yeah, right? Now they're suddenly on a narrow, rocky island with a tall lighthouse and nothing else on it. Dahl realizes that the ship, the mess hall, and the ice cream from this episode were all an illusion, a simulation. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're pretty disappointed about the ice cream. This also made me think, like, something I never thought before, the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, uh, Hollow Janeway does have full range of the ship, so there are hollow emitters throughout the entire ship. And hollow emitter. A hollow, well, yeah, hollow, hollow emitters specifically for Janeway, though. So I'm assuming they don't have like the the capacity to do much more than Janeway. But it's, but I don't know, like, uh, like there's nothing that like she doesn't have anything that follows it around, like that that projects her. She's just projected anywhere. That's true. So like that's why I was thinking like, oh yeah, I never thought that like they could have the hollow deck anywhere, and they do do, and it did show like that they. they and the um and the um Enterpriseians episode, like they were mm-hmm. able to use hollows to recreate the um the TOS shit uh bridge yeah, on was... on their thing so that they knew how to use it. That's true. So there's definitely a hollow emitter on the bridge and yeah, one for Janeway like everywhere on the ship. Yeah. Huh. Interesting interesting point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they could just Is have... the whole ship a, a holodeck? Technically, maybe? I guess of? so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so, they, yeah, they could have whatever they want. I mean, fucking by time and discovery, we learn that they have holographic holes to their ship. Yeah, which, which is... I still don't get. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna but that's not, I was just like, now. you know what? It's the year three thousand. You know man. what? Let Jesus take the wheel. Let Jesus take the wheel. It's the year three thousand. Who knows what's possible? Like, mm-hmm. like technology will seem like magic to me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll just shut my brain off. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> but we might have even gotten rid of capitalism by then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Never it's a self-sustaining system. We're gonna we're gonna die before capitalism ends. Yes. Everything is gonna the whole world is going to implode before capitalism ends, and capitalism will be the cause of that. Oh boy! <laughs> Dahl tells the computer to stop the program. It chimes as though the action is not permitted. He tells the computer to summon the arch. Same result. Beep, beep. He pages Hollow Janeway and asks if she can read him. She can, but says the holodeck arch refuses to respond. She says it could be a spatial anomaly and to sit tight while she looks into it. Okay, now comes a bit of writing that fucking rules and very easily and fluid, fluidly puts uh, to rest a question that people have had for a long time. And I think one you actually asked on the podcast, like last episode, hmm. the encounter at Far Point One. Um, Gwyn asks how they can all be in one room. Yes. And Zero could be all the way in front of them mm-hmm. while all of them are stuck together. Rock says this ocean floor tracking. Visual horizon manipulation. The holodeck tricks the mind to create any scenario. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah. Boom. Dunk. Love it. Yeah, it was great. I love, yeah, that is awesome that they put that stuff in there. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, it's, because it does seem like, yeah, I mean, holodecks seemingly have unlimited space mm-hmm. and people can be far different. 
and honestly, that's one thing I think this program is great at is taking techno babble and actually making it make a lot more sense because yeah. it's for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like breaking down techno babble and, and they actually don't rely on a ton of techno babble and stuff like that isn't so much techno babble as it's like things that are actually being worked on right now and that actually make sense in mm-hmm. fields of like AR and virtual reality. Yeah. You know? So fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah great writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, a plus. Indeed. So Suddenly Zero says they recognize the hollow program they're in since they often use their recreational time in it and opens a large door to reveal a spacious but cozy library in the giant lighthouse structure. Dahl says since they're stuck in the holodeck for a while, might as well enjoy it. And he orders two prostitutes. (laughs) Rock's like, aren't they a little young for you? And he says, there's no laws in space, you little bitch. Pretty, pretty racy writing. Great writing, though. Yeah, very, yeah, it's very, pretty very fascinating. David Mamet. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, was wondering why Zero like hangs out in like a haunted tower, solving mysteries. Solving mysteries, yeah. Like Zero is like a non-corporeal being who has seen like all of the mysteries of the universe. So much so that their people decided to just explore the universe because they were. Mm-hmm. Tired of just like you know living on a planet and shit. Like, yeah, I don't That's, think they'd be super interested in being in a Nancy Drew novel. Like, yeah, because you know? yeah, yeah, and you did bring up the point. Like I was like, well, these are all aliens. Why it? Why is it so human centered? And you know, like, you know, it's built in programs of the holodeck mm-hmm. for the Federation. But uh, but it's also like you know, I feel like Zero would be someone who would um, create their own Absolutely. program. Yeah, especially one where they could possibly like be free from the their containment suit mm-hmm. because like you know i feel that that would be a good use of their time right <laughs> of their recreation time you know because like i feel like the suit's probably pretty can probably feels pretty confining to someone who had full full uh range you know to explore and float around and shit right and imagine like how it must feel to be a non-corporeal being floating around in a giant small intestine. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like being, being like just a wisp of air in a giant gape tube. (laughs) Imagine the freedom doing, doing the smell, doing a magic school bus type shit. (laughs) Wrong. A magic school bussy. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta write that one down. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, that one's going to get me arrested. Okay, uh, moving on. Zero welcomes the crew to the headquarters of the Cellar Door Society, mm-hmm. purveyors of puzzling puzzles, amateur sleuthing, and milk toast mysteries. Yeah, the most beautiful phrase ever uttered, Cellar Door. Indeed, and milk toast mysteries. Milk toast mysteries. Uh, Jinkum says, yeah, this is a hard pass, which is <laughs> was, probably the funniest line in the entire series so far. It caught me by surprise. Yeah. The, the delivery was amazing. The deliver- <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jason Manzukis is worth every fucking penny that they pay him. Uh-huh. But this line specifically was perfect. Like the yeah. timing was like, it made me guffaw while I was watching it alone. And I, I barely laugh out loud by myself. Yeah. Laughing is more of a social activity for me, mm. which makes me sound like a psychopath. But, <laughs> but, but notice, like notice to yourself, like if you're watching something, like most of the time you laugh a lot less than when you're with people. Everybody does. Like laughing uh-huh. is a very social activity. It's like cats meowing. 
Uh, not me. I've, I've, people have complained. Like well, they hear me laughing to myself all the time. <laughs> that's a very different case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your doctor saying that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your therapist is like, why are you laughing? We haven't even talked yet. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, real roommates are always like, I hear you just laughing to yourself alone in your room all the time. Like, is, yeah. You don't even have a television in there. <laughs> And your phone is out here charging, and you can't read. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking adventures of the mind. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just sitting there on your bed, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I make my own fun. You know, just like just like a cat does. Cats make their own fun. Yeah. I make my own fun. Yeah, you know, you don't even need a laser pointer. No, I don't. Even, Although yeah. it helps. You, it does. You, yeah, I can keep you entertained for hours with a laser pointer. <laughs> um, so. And Jacob Pog says it's a hard pass, which is great. Um, like when he said this, I agreed kind of, I was like, this could be a good episode, but I kind of don't want it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was, I was, in, I was initially afraid mm. the entire episode was going to take place in this tower. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, that, that was kind of my thing too, is I was like, oh, is this going to be just like a standalone holodeck episode where there's just like doing a mystery like noir like this the whole time I'm like eh. and really like that that would have been like a, a you know a TNG episode yeah due, just due to like you know the limits and mm-hmm. and sets and everything and what they're what they're able to do you know mm-hmm. like yeah. you know a lot of you know a lot of episodes just took place in like Dixon Hill's office <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> which is like you don't need to do that kind of episode when you have an animation team yes and stuff like you can go anywhere and do anything which is one of the strengths of the show is they're bringing back a lot of alien and stuff that I mm-hmm. think were more difficult to do because of makeup concerns mm-hmm. and stuff like Tellarites are playing a big part in the series and yeah. we never even got a lot of Tellarites even in you know like fucking the stuff like TNG, Enterprise or yeah, anything when yeah. they were discovering them and meeting them and shit so. yeah and then in TNG Voyager and DS9 there was zero <laughs> yeah yeah that's true I mean there there were I feel like there was some in Enterprise, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it, pretty much. Yeah. And in TOS. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a little bit. But yeah, it's like, yeah, they're not seeing much, but they play such a huge part in Federation history that it doesn't make sense why they're not seeing much. Yeah. So it's awesome to see them here. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, Dahl asks what kind of dorky task they must endure. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps returning an overdue library book. <laughs> I just got to give props to this writer. Like this script was fucking funny. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. It was like the, a, a lot of the lines, like they said, I'm like, Hey, that's something like I would say yeah. like, flippantly about this. Just clowning great. on a nerd. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. We love clowning on nerds. Yeah. That's, that's the best shit. Uh, really fun. Especially when like we're nerds making a fucking Star Trek podcast. Exactly. We're nerds. We deserve to be clowned on. Yeah. But we also love clowning on nerds. Yeah, we yeah, it's, there's a cl- there's a nerd hierarchy and Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are at the top by the way. Yes. Top so we, of that fucking pyramid guy. Yeah, we see we see zero as below us. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, just like soaking up our piss. Trickle mm. down, baby. Trickle down. Trickle down. Zero scoffs at uh, this and says the Cellar Door Society deals in cases of precarious adventures such as the case of the Phony Pharaoh, the case of the biting ghost, or the case, Jenkum Pog suddenly says, Ooh, found a clue. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> Let's get out of here. And I, once again, just cracked up. And I was like, yeah, Jason Benzoukas, <laughs> amazing. The fart noise, incredible. Yeah. I loved the delivery. Everything was so good. 
Yeah. And that's another thing. Yeah. Just like this whole exchange. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's the, these shows have such a good idea of, of who their characters are and how, yeah. and, and, and just, and it's, 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 it must be, be very easy to write dialogue for these people because like, the, yeah. And, and the, just dialogue that feels natural and funny and entertaining. And, and the thing too, and the thing that I like about it is like these characters all to some degree are relatable, but yes. they're all very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing about this that sets it apart from, I don't know, a lot of modern Star Trek is they're all likable. Yeah. I like every single one of them. Yeah. Like, and they're, <laughs> they're all unique characters. I mean, uh, maybe the strength too is there's not many of them. Whereas like, you know, Discovery's got a large bridge crew and I can only name four of them. Hey, that, that's one of my biggest complaints is like, I barely know the names of, of, of yeah. the, the bridge crew people. Like I know Detmer. Yeah. Detmer. Yeah. And Oso, uh-huh. uh, whatever name is. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I don't know any of the guys names. Yeah. There's like two or three guys and I have no idea who they are. Yeah. There's a blonde. I don't, I don't know her name and. Oh yeah. The blonde. Yeah. Yeah. She was the, I think the actress that played the robot. Uh, the aunt, lady that, that's right because you said they brought her back after she died which is a weird or they uh, brought her back as another character yeah which uh, they, they brought uh, the actress back yeah which is uh, I mean fine if you're doing like a Jeffrey Combs type situation yeah. or something but uh, I don't know I don't know about yeah that. I don't know also where the fuck is all the Jeffrey we need way more Jeffrey Combs in modern Trek yeah he's been in what Lower Decks that's it I don't think he's been in any of the live action Trek no and I feel like he would be a good addition to Prodigy I feel he'd like be he'd be a good addition to everything yeah He's so good in everything. We yeah. love Jeffrey. Coates. Yeah, he could he could play any sort of number of characters. Yeah, any one of them. Any any single. <laughs> yeah, he he already has. He's already yeah. played every character on DS Nine. It's yeah. weird too. Like he was only on DS Nine and a little bit on Enterprise, and that's that's mm-hmm. it. Like he was never on Voyager, which I always found weird. Yeah, was he? I I believe he was never on Voyager, which I'm like, what? But apparently he was, he's actually like good friends with Steven or yeah, uh, Iris Steven Bear mm. and like some of the production crew. So okay. that, that makes sense. Yeah. And they always like wanted him back because mm-hmm. apparently he's a, a cool dude and he seems like a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. From everything I've seen and followed him on the internet, he seems, seems real reasonable. Uh, he did make fun of me when I met him. That's awesome. But yeah. He's, I don't he, blame him. I was wearing a, um, a sleeveless Duke Nukem t-shirt. That's pretty cool. And he was just like, what is with your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he had a friend next to him and they were just, just like clowning on me because, and see, that's, they're, they're above me on the near, nerd hierarchy. hundred I mean, he, he, <laughs> he's king of the nerds. Uh, yeah. He fucking starred in fucking, um, uh, 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 fucking God damn it. Why can't I think of the name? HP Lovecraft's, uh, God, which one? Reanimator. Yeah. Reanimator. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Castle Freak. Castle Freak. Castle Freak rules. I just yeah. saw that last year for the first time. Very, uh, I love very Castle Freak fun movie. Yeah. Very weird. Yes, yeah, very, very weird. weird. Very dark. Yeah, it's like kind of slowly paced, but like not too slowly paced that it's boring. It's, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. I like I like Castle Freak. A lot. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's also got some weird violence in it. Some yes, weird violence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, the part. Yeah, but just like uncomfortable body horror for sure. Yeah, the Castle Freak uh, rips off one of his own yeah. fingers to take yeah. off uh, cuffs, which is very graphic. Yeah, he like, <laughs> oh my god, he yeah, he he fucking desleeves his hand. Yeah, which is like, if if you know what that is, uh, I'm sorry, but if you don't, do not Google desleeving. Oh yeah, I mean that's a big risk at my job. Oh yeah, I and, bet. I and, bet they've showed. Yeah, I bet you've seen. Oof, it. Oof, God, yeah. It, it's it's that's why I, yeah, for one, 
refuse to wear rings of any kind. No. <laughs> and like, and, uh, cause like I've, I've seen, um, uh, be sleeved, uh, fingers mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's like that shit latches on like, uh, yeah. No rings of any kind or. Yeah. That's why they say machinists should never get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That shit's going to come off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, zero says they can tease all they want. Uh, but every time they solve a mystery, the program ends and the arch reappears. Rock says that sounds like a way out and Gwen agrees that they should try and asks what the mystery is. Zero says the mystery only reveals itself at the stroke of midnight, Mm. which sounds to me like a pretty cool euphemism for masturbation. (laughs) Like, gosh, mom, don't you even knock? I'm doing the stroke of midnight. <laughs> um, so right then the clock strikes midnight and chimes three times, which is a weird amount of times for a clock to strike 12. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is. Well, maybe it was doing, maybe like one chime was four. What? <laughs> Cause three times four. Oh, so, so it chimes at, at, at midnight, four, eight and midnight again and noon. Yeah, so like each chime is 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 a, is a four. Is a is so it can only chime when it hits multiples of four. Yes. Yeah. That's a shitty clock. <laughs> hey, I didn't make the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Oh, fine. <laughs> fine, 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 whatever, man. <laughs> um. So, uh, there's a knock at the door, uh, and letters with wax seals come through the mail slot, sliding to the crew's feet. Zero says the mystery is a feat <laughs> and laughs at their own joke. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, doll opens his first and reads <clears throat> for the cellar door society together. You can solve the case and looks at the back of the paper and says, it's just scribbles. Jenkum grabs it and agrees saying he's having a blast already. <laughs> uh, zero postulates that maybe it's a clue. And doll says, this sounds like a lot of work. Zero implores him to think and says the clues were meant for them all together. Rock, standing behind Murph, sees his paper as transparent in the candlelight and puts it up against Murph's and then Jenkins. Together, the papers read, Cellar Door Society, endless adventure awaits you with the case of the lost skeleton key. Uh, Dull asks if they find the key, their dumb holoprogram ends, and Zero agrees that's probably the case. Jinkum asks if the skeleton key is made of bones or something. <laughs> Got him. Yeah, because I, I kind of imagine, like, a lot of these references would probably go over their heads as they have no cultural context for it. Yeah, because they're all very, like, Earth-centric, you know, 20th mm-hmm. century, 21st century yeah, references and, to things. And they've never visited Earth <laughs> or had any sort of introduction to. Except for the Hall of Programs, perhaps. Yeah, but before that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, suddenly there's a low rumble outside and Gwyn asks what it is. A bright light shines in front of the building and suddenly there's loud rock music accompanying it. Uh, Dahl asks if they're being given a music soundtrack Mm. as opposed to the other type of soundtrack. Yeah, it could be be a fart soundtrack. Oh, that's true. That would be pretty cool, actually. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we should make a a fart song for this this show. Oh, yeah. It could be... 
Oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, let's put the kibosh on that forever. Oh, we damn. will never speak of this again. <laughs> so um, he opens the front door, and it leads to an alleyway. In the alleyway, there's a group of Tellarite bikers, and they make fun of Jenkum for being short. <laughs> Thal notices they're all Tellarite and asks Jenkum, who finishes his sentence and says, yeah, it's his program. He says he's been using this street fighting simulation program to let off some steam. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. You think he, uh, you know, once he beats them up, you think he like jerks off in their face? Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, like gets it all over their beard and stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be funny though if like if uh <laughs> if like it would if it does his holodeck simulation, it's actually just like some weird sex shit that he does on the holodeck, and he's just like, Ugh, don't look, don't look at it, guys. Jinkum <laughs> yeah. Pog's not into this. Jinkum <laughs> Pog's not into this. <laughs> it's like Gwyn's like. That looks exactly like my butt. <laughs> and you can walk inside? This is strange. Uh, yeah, uh, the skeleton key's not here. Let's turn around. I'm trying to learn about uh, anatomy of... Uh, uh. <laughs> um, so, um, Rock says she's worried one of the biker hooligans knows something about their mystery key as Jenkum approaches them to fight. Zero says they're not worried about a fight but they are worried that their two holo programs have somehow merged. Mm. Jenkum tells them to leave their key to them as he charges up and throws a bolt of electricity at one of the bikers. Yeah, he does a Hadouken. Yeah, like, I was just cool. like, wait, he can do it. Is that just like a holodeck thing, or is he capable? No, no, that, that's uh, his, his other arm tool thing. Oh, so uh, he, he, it can shoot had- Hadoukens? It's definitely got electric power. I know he's, hmm. he's like, welded or something with it. So. Okay. Yeah. I assume it's, like, some arc welding, something, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's something. It's uh, it has powers. It has powers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, for whatever the plot needs. <laughs> precisely. Thank you. You get it. <laughs> um, Zenkum tells them to leave their key to them as he charges up and throws a bolt of electricity at the bikers. He uh, the biker blocks it with a trash can lid, and Zenkum clocks him in the face and starts going fucking ham on the bikers. And it's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, Zenkum, who's kicking the shit out of the bikers, uh, says not to worry since the safety protocols are on, and it's impossible to get hurt in there. Just then, the biker ducks his attack and kicks him, sending him hurling backwards. Jenkum pulls out a tooth and says, that actually hurt, as the others realize that perhaps the safety protocols are malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. The bikers approach the group, and one punches Dahl in the face. He calls Hala Janeway, who is trying desperately to re-engage the safety protocols, but her settings only allow her to work on non-essential functions. She uh, starts to ask Dahl, who immediately gives her his access code. The Tellarites are upping their attack, and suddenly Murph and Rock go into action and beat everybody. There's only one biker remaining who has a skeleton key tattooed on his stomach. Mm. They chase after him, and Rock does a choke slam on him, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, as he's passing out, he says they'll never escape. They notice the tattoo on his stomach says Key Club as he disappears. Suddenly, they transport to a black-and-white noir-type world, and it pans over to show they're in front of a club called the Key Club. Also, this shot, like, when it goes to uh, to noir and stuff, mm-hmm. it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks really good. Like, um, it looks incredible. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm really impressed by, like, the level of animation and stuff they have for this. Like, yeah, it's really fucking quality. It's like, uh, I mean, not like Pixar-level animation or anything, but, like, for an animated 3D feature on a kid's program, it's... Really fucking good. Yeah, it looks great. Like, and and I I think one 
complaint I would have for a lot of like different cartoons is like it doesn't look good. Like I feel like a lot of the aesthetic for like different like animated series seems mm-hmm. pretty bland and yeah. This seems very rich and lived in, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it, it seems great. And yeah, it seems very intentional. Yeah, a lot of good detail and mm-hmm. included. In like, uh, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you saw that, um, the, shit, what was it called? The oh, Miles- I've seen lots of shit. <laughs> no, the Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. No, I didn't. That, that, I, I, I haven't seen a uh, MCU movie since Iron Man 2. Yeah, that... I mean, this is, I don't know if this is technically counts as part of like the MCU because it's kind of like outside of like that thing. But oh, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. But it's, but it had, it had very interesting animation that kind of reminds me of, um, well, I haven't seen a Marvel movie since Logan. Yeah. (laughs) So I just, I just, I'm not, it's not my thing. No, no. Logan was good though. I really liked Logan. Yeah. But that was more of like a weird, kind of western mm-hmm. sci-fi western kind of thing yeah i remember reading the comic when back in the day of that's based on like old man uh logan mm-hmm. has like hillbilly hulks and and stuff like that it takes place in a post-apocalypse instead of logan it'd be cooler if it was rogan <laughs> joe rogan yeah he was like uh, hey hey jamie uh why don't you pick up uh the uh the end of all the mutants eh? <laughs> just and like instead of like claws growing out of his of uh rogan's hands his, his his nipples just get longer and <laughs> hairier because <laughs> like you know when he like got into that ice bath and he just like these long pointing uh, little turkey turkey basters yep. little turkey duns Tur- turkey nipples turkey love, nipples love uh, love that Joe Rogan turkey nipple everybody <laughs> don't we, folks Brock wonders whose simulation this is and Jinkum says it's not his a Tellarite host begins speaking on stage and introduces the audience to the performance of one Mister Murphy No Shoes. Suddenly, Murph uh, jumps up on stage and starts singing a lounge song, much to the surprise of the entire crew and the audience as well. He can also dance. Yeah, he was dancing his ass off. Mm-hmm. Zero postulates he might be lip syncing very well, uh, which is still definitely a surprise. Yeah. Gwyn goes to the bar. Because he's, he's definitely exhibiting some intentional intelligence here. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely like growing as a being. Yeah, because like before he just kind of seems like a like a weird baby like, that doesn't burr, burr, burr. yeah has no like kind of like awareness of his surroundings and yeah and now he's like I like Frank Sinatra now <laughs> did, did you think it for a moment I had I had, a, I had a moment where I believe like Vic Fontaine was going to appear yeah, for a second but I mean that actor's dead so I don't think they'd do that yeah well, I don't know include him in some way yeah. I mean it's animated so I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before but uh, have you heard my Vic Fontaine idea hmm uh, it's the one way I think they could responsibly bring back anybody with the name Soong into a fucking Star Trek series is they let Brent Spiner be basically Vic Fontaine and be like a host in a holog- holodeck oh, yeah. program because that's what Brent Spiner likes to do. Yeah, He likes to do the song and dance bullshit. We saw him do it once like, mm-hmm. 10 years ago and it was silly, but like he really likes doing that. So he'd gladly do it. Uh, and you could make it like, well, the fucking Soongs were like instrumental in like programming like the uh, original holodecks or something, uh, which it would sense. be believable because the Soongs are responsible for everything AI involved yeah. in Star Trek, basically. Yeah. And so they could be like, well, because he was, was responsible for this, he programmed himself as the host. Mm. And they could do some like very early holodeck stuff with that, which yeah. would be cool. Yeah. He, yeah. And you know he kind of looks like he has. He's kind of like could be like a pass off as a good uh, 
Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I mean, we saw him do it before. He was fine when he did it. Yeah, he was awesome. I I like his show a lot. I didn't. (laughs) I would 10 out of 10 go again if he ever did. Oh, I'd I'd go again. Uh, Yeah, it was was stupid, though. (laughs) I I thought it was funny. He's like singing and telling stories. Yeah, it was was stupid. It was it was it was it was fine, but it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And it was like forty bucks or something, like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, I I liked it. And he said, uh, he said three words to me. Yeah, could you not? He did. He said that to me. <laughs> which was which? The question was, can I kiss you on the mouth, Mister Spiner? <laughs> <laughs> Do it be gaping. <laughs> do, it be, do it squirt. <laughs> and he's like, security? <laughs> Not again. Not again. Squirting and farting, God damn it! <laughs> now get out! Get out! <laughs> Stop sending me nude pictures! <laughs> um, so, uh, where were we here? Uh, Gwen walks over to the bar and orders a Joomja tea. The bartender turns around, and it's none other than her father, the diviner. Whoa! He tells her one Joomja tea coming right up. Uh, he, she, grasps, uh, she gasps and asks him how he's even there. He tells her she looks like she's seen a ghost and she wonders if maybe his hollow merged with the others. He says he doesn't just serve drinks. He also listens. She says she's just surprised to see him there and he asks if they know one another. She says, well, not as well as you think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Over with Rock and Zero, they're wandering through the bar, and there's a glitter smooch drinking at a table who's rude when Rock stares too long. It's like, what are you looking at? Which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she wonders what's happening, and Zero says the further into the puzzle they go, the more all of their hollow simulations merge with one another. Rock says there's thousands of programs in the databanks, so why would it choose only theirs? Zero postulates that maybe the holodeck doesn't have a malfunction. It has a motive. Well, what? Um, over with Jenkum, he's asking everybody in the club if they've seen a skeleton key. And he just grabs some dude's briefcase and opens it up. And there's a bunch of gold press latinum in there, which was a great visual gag. Yeah, yeah. For the, for the adults in the room. <laughs> um, the whole gang stands up, ready to beat the shit out of Jenkum and Dahl. Uh, and Dahl suggests they leave. Rock and Zero, uh, meanwhile, are going through the case, and Zero says there's two mysteries at hand. The first one is the case of the skeleton key, and the case of why all their programs are merging together. Rock suddenly zeroes in on a piano player who keeps hitting a pitchy note. She says for such a swanky joint, you'd think they'd replace... A missing key. (gasps) And gasps. They walk over to the piano, and just as it's happening, the pissed-off gangsters are ready to bum-rush Jankum and Dahl, who rejoin with the group. They push the piano player to the side and lift up the pitchy key, which opens the top of the grand piano, revealing a portal. They all jump in to the next adventure. Yeah. So, the whole gang stumbles out onto a pirate ship. From the ship's wheel, a pirate yells, Ahoy! Welcome back, Captain! Dahl blushes and says he sneaks in there uh, once in a while as well, (laughs) since it's nice to have a crew that respects him. 
Whoa. Damn. Fucking burned. Also, no girls on his on his crew. Why would they be? Ah. Why would he need a woman? No, I guess he was. He's he's got sort of doing a master and commander type thing. Master and baiter. <laughs> <laughs> master and baitmander. No. No. That doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The first one was perfect. I shouldn't have fucked it up. Master and salamander. Mm. No. I mean, if you're talking about like the salamander that they have at restaurants that like heats cheese and makes nachos. Mm. Yeah, I've always wanted one of those. Those are great. Yeah. Don't ever put your dick under it, though. No, no, I wouldn't suggest that. I mean, maybe like 18 inches or higher, but like never put it like 12 inches. It's really. Yeah, you know, it, it, it gives it gives it gives the dick a nice cr- crispy crust. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> nice. It's a, a cum, nice caramelization. A, a cum brulee, if you will. Yeah, a, cr- yeah. a cum brulee. Yeah. Um, makes the cum all nice pipe and hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like Daddy used to be. <laughs> uh, well, he's getting arrested for that one. Um, so the gang stumbles out on a pirate ship. Uh, pirate cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Gwyn says the key must be on board the ship. Doll jumps on a barrel and yells, uh, tells his crew that they are in search of a rare skeleton key on board and they all must go in search of it. One of the volunteers uh, volunteers to go overboard to look, which was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then suddenly a giant tentacle raises from the water, and it's announced that there's a monster in the water. As it grasps the entire ship, Rock notices it's not a monster. It's a sparkle sea hugger from their veterinary holo program, their very favorite. Mm-hmm. But due to its size, it's totally a monster as it risp- rips the mast from the deck. Jenkum yells, if they don't find the key soon, they're going to be hugged to death. Oh, shit. The crew runs over the deck, avoiding the massive tentacles, as Rock tries to scold it for being a bad sea hugger. Gwyn asks Rock how they dealt with a creature like this in their program. Rock looks around and sees some fruit and makes a realization. They say this creature is malnourished and prescribes fruit and fiber. And loads a cannon with fruit and fires it into the creature mouth, who just floats away satisfied. That'd be funny if it like looks at the fruit and you're like, I have an idea, and then it cuts and then it fires a cannonball into its face and kills it. <laughs> or, it or it fires the fruit into it, but it's like going at 300 miles an hour because you fired it with gunpowder and it just like rips a hole straight through the fucking sea hugger. That would have been funny. Yeah. And then and uh, Jenkin Pope's like. I bet I can fuck that hole. <laughs> and then he like, you know, jumps into the sea creature's mouth and starts coming. And then sinks to the bottom of the sea, but with a smile on his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a Davy Jones cocker. <laughs> uh, they, they say this creature is malnourished and prescribes it f- fruit and fiber and then loads a cannon with fruit and fires into the creature's mouth and it floats away. But the ship is still in shambles, and Jenkum asks if maybe, in addition to veterinary medicine, they practiced ship repair as well. The ship starts to take on water, but Murph has found a clue, a compass with a key on it, pointing another way. Mm. But Zero stops them and says that following it would just lead them to another clue, which would lead them to another clue, forever and ever, and that perhaps there is no end to this. Dahl says that uh, they thought if they solved the mystery, they'd get out of there. Zero says the skeleton key is a red herring 
to get them from solving the real mystery. Why they're trapped there in the first place. Mm -hmm. They lay out the case. At first, they didn't know that they were still in the holodeck and wouldn't have known if it weren't for the glitches. And after it was clear that the crew's holoprograms were involved, it was obvious it couldn't just be a subspace disruption. It must be a calculated attempt to keep them there. Suddenly, they realize it was the same Tellarite the whole time telling them to stay a while, to sing a song, to find another clue. Doll wonders who did this to them. Gwyn wonders if it's her father. And Zero says no. But they are on this ship. And the only way to win is to refuse to play her game. Mm. Suddenly, they're in an empty holodeck as Holla Janeway walks in. She says, thank goodness you're okay. But they ask her if she purposely locked them in there and turned off the safety subroutines. She says, of course not. But Zero says she probably doesn't uh, even realize she's been secretly reprogrammed by a subroutine. Um made to do this if the ship's core directive was ever interfered with. Gwyn has the computer play back the security footage, and it's obvious Holla Janeway has been compromised because her eyes are a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. It shows her reprogramming the holodeck to do everything they endured this episode. Dahl asks if she was able to keep them distracted by her own power, why she needed his command codes. And Gwyn says it's so she could resume their course to Federation space and complete the mission of destroying Starfleet. Hala Janeway is aghast and apologizes, <laughs> saying she'd never do any of this to hurt them and doesn't remember doing any of it. She says Zero is correct. There's something wrong with her. Suddenly, a proximity red alert is called. <laughs> the crew rushes to the bridge, and in front of them is the Dauntless. Dahl runs over to the controls but he's locked out. Everybody looks is Holla, at Holla Janeway, and she says she's sorry. Uh-oh. End of episode. Yeah. What do you think? I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, me too. I really liked it. Uh, I thought the I thought the character dialogue was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Oops. Um, the animation, fantastic. I like... I like the black mirror type element to a, to a holodeck episode. Yeah, I, l- I like a broken holodeck episode if done right. Mm-hmm. It's done wrong a lot in TNG. Yes, um, but I like when it's done right. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good thing. I don't think they've done done like a runaway holodeck program like this before. Not in Prodigy, no. Not yeah, where it, like and it also was a fun mystery episode. That yeah. was that was great because yeah, you're wondering what is going on. Mm-hmm. It had a nice variety to it and kind of fleshed in some characters a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what it did with Murph. That was kind of fun. And, yeah, uh, a surprise. Yeah, uh, more than anything, this was probably the funniest episode of Prodigy. I think. Yeah, like uh, like all the characters were written really well, but fucking Jenkin Pog was killing it this episode. Oh yeah, like. He had at least like three lines that made me like laugh out loud by myself, which is very rare. They let, the they only let, thing I do that with is Dilbert comics <laughs> yeah. and Dilbert the show. Yes, and Dilbert porn parodies. Mm, uh, I don't laugh. I only come. <laughs> I mean, I guess I laugh sometimes when I come. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha! <laughs> they definitely let Jason Manzukas off the leash there. They're just yeah. like, oh, be funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like, uh, yeah, it was a good episode. I, uh, I would give it a good score, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd give it a good score too. And I'd say a good like solid eight out of ten. Yeah, I mean it wasn't perfect, and it you know it, it advanced the story well though. Uh, I could have, I would have liked to have maybe seen just a little bit of the subplot with uh, you know Janeway and the you know all them on the Dauntless, but mm-hmm. we didn't get any of that, so we didn't get any of that story advancement. But for what they did, and for being like a runaway holodeck episode, it was really fucking good. It was yeah. one of, it's one of the better I think runaway holodeck episodes in all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think it quite lives up to any of the Moriarty stuff quite, but that mm-hmm. stuff is like legendary. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're still getting their legs, and but they've gotten great legs so far. Yeah. Uh, one might say the best legs in the eighth grade, which is the worst named movie of all time. Ooh, you know what? What? I just had a thought. Wow, that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. What if they're st- at the end of the episode? They're still in the hollow deck. I like that idea. That, like, that'd be great if at the end of the season it revealed they were in the holodeck the whole time. <laughs> yeah. With the holodeck back on the mining colony. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like or it's like kind of like a total recall situation where it's their last thoughts as they die. Wow. Damn. Yeah. That'd be sick, actually. That would be sick. Especially if we had a three titty. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, that was the ensign who dropped yeah. the mm-hmm. hot chocolate on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because like the reason I think that is because they end up because uh, they end up exactly in the situation they were training for uh-huh. at the beginning of the episode. Very true. The Dauntless in, is in the same exact place. That it, that. That's true. That's an interesting point. I like that a lot. Yeah. Actually. Huh. Well, I guess we'll see you next episode. We'll see. We will. Maybe it's like that. Janeway was actually just like hard training them, mm-hmm. getting them all get like trying to, and maybe thinking like. Uh, if if it seemed real to them, mm-hmm. that it would that they there would be higher stakes. Hell yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna open up a uh, weed infused steak restaurant called Higher Stakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Why don't more people do that now? You know, no one. Well, because I mean, it's it's very difficult to get licensing for like an infused weed restaurant, and also like. Mm knowing the dosage each individual person can take is fucking impossible. Yeah. Like I could, I mean, for me, I can easily take two to 300 milligrams of pure THC without getting much of a buzz, Mm -hmm. which would like put several people. I mean, most people, I'd say 90% of people in like a weed coma for at least 12 to 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess there would, there is sort of that, um, uh, weird problem with like legality and like you know getting everyone high and legality then, like, dosages lots of things and like being like all right now drive home you just mm-hmm. like <laughs> fly home or fly home yeah I mean, it's a, you gotta take the same considerations and fucking you know serving alcohol it's much yeah. worse mm-hmm. you know i have no problem driving high ever mm-hmm. uh, don't want to drive on alcohol there's problems no. there yeah so no thank you no 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 ma'am well, yeah, uh, awesome, awesome episode. And, uh, you know, something, um, I, I think I, I put it very succinctly on the internet earlier today, mm-hmm. uh, because on Reddit, on the episode discussion, the writer of this episode actually showed up and said, hey, I wrote the episode, I hope you liked mm-hmm. it, something like that. And so I was actually the only person to respond to him like two hours after he put the comment. But um, I said uh, something to the effect of, um, you know, with the amount of like money and the high production values that is put towards Star Trek these days, mm-hmm. uh, the quality almost entirely rests and relies on the strength of the writing mm-hmm. because all of it's well produced. Yeah, even the worst uh, episode of Star Trek Discovery still looks great. Yeah, 
I mean, there is some, yeah, I mean, like, especially in, like, the four season, like, even though I found it completely annoying, mm. like, the parts where they go see the alien and stuff, mm-hmm. like, the weird alien species they're dealing with that season, like, I thought that looked cool. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some cool scenes, except for ones where it looked really green screened. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but other than that, like, the sets look awesome and yeah. makeup and, yeah. but, yeah, and, and here in, like, Prodigy, like, it it looks like an incredible mm-hmm. animated series. Right, like, right. And so, and, you know, it's going to look good no matter what. And the actors are all very competent and mm-hmm. play their roles very well. And so, like, mm-hmm. it really comes down to the writing. And I, I, I said that, and then I said, fucking awesome job. Like, yeah. You did great. Loved it. Uh, he wrote the third episode of the series, too, which is, it's got to be difficult writing one of the first episodes for a Star Trek series. Because mm-hmm. they're inevitably not good. I mean, yeah. even, I, I, as much as I like the Emissary, it's still not a strong two-parter for DS9. No. Um, you know, it is what it is, though. They're yeah. finding their legs, and uh, yeah. Their baby legs yeah. that, that Murph has. Yeah, fucking uh, great great job to everyone involved. Really good good stuff. Yeah, Honestly, thumbs up. I'm going to be honest with you. Prodigy is getting to a point where it's starting to tie for second place on my favorite new track. Yeah. Strange New Worlds is still definitely number one, mm-hmm. but like... I, in terms of quality, like in consistency, like it is up there with, with lower decks Mm -hmm. and there has been less from prodigy I've disliked than from lower decks. Yeah. Probably not as much as I've liked, especially with the third season of lower decks was really fucking strong, Mm -hmm. but like, goddamn for, for being on a 17th episode in the first season, like Prodigy's doing goddamn great. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, uh, that is all of our new trek for the week. Uh, would you like to give us a Klingon word of the day. Sure, why not? Let's jump into it. Today's Klingon word, word of the day, day is Weshpu. Weshpu. Yep. Which means charming, but used ironically. Oh, using a sentence for me. I would say Elon Musk is very Weshpu. He's not charming. <laughs> I don't know where you get that. It's used ironically. Oh, oh it's, it, yeah. Because yeah, you, yeah. you use charming. Right, right. It's, it's only used ironically, so. Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you use it? Who would um, you say is ironically charming? Um, Brandon. I <laughs> got him. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's the uh, Klingon word of the day. Yeah. Uh, with that, would you like to get into some subspace transmissions? I would. Let's get right into that trans warp conduit. Oh, shit. With the Subspace Transmission. Subspace Transmission. Hey, Mother Fathers. It's that part of the show where we, uh, me, goes through the internet and uh, looks up uh, comments on the uh, fucking show we just watched. Given uh, it just released today, and so there are no reviews for it. However, there are after episode discussions on, guess what, Reddit. Oh, boy. So we're going to look at Reddit comments. 
Ready for some Reddit comments? I am. Here we go. Here's one that I actually really like. Something kind of very insightful. Mm. Usually don't get that that on Reddit. No. Uh, Night Crusader said today, Interesting. Dull security code made me think of 90s gaming consoles. Wonder if there is anything to that. This code is GB64N32X, which might equal Game Boy GB. Mm-hmm. N64, Nintendo 64. Oh, shit. Albeit the N is after the 64. And then Sega 32X. Mm. 32X. So I actually think that's totally legitimate. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's like 100% right. I think that's a great catch. Nail on the head. Love yeah. it. Love it. Good little, job. Yeah. And also, if if that was intentional, the writer had a nice little Easter egg in there. <laughs> Fun little nerd fact. Or it could have been. the adults. Yeah. yeah the it adults. Could, it could have been something they just chose completely randomly, but I was actually motivated by the gaming systems. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, next we got a comment from Panda Pundus. says, I am now sold on the new Murph. Yeah. And uh, TrekFan74 says, yeah, I have to say, I'm really liking New Murph as well. He grew pretty quickly, and wow, Old Murph was adorable. This one has grown into a real character. Yeah, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. We he's like we like a cuddly little guy. He's a little eraser head baby. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's definitely. Um, I'd say I'd say Prodigy probably has the most cuddly little guys of a Star Trek program. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Which makes sense because it's supposed to be directed towards kids. Yeah, yeah. Even even Rock is very a cuddly little guy. Yeah. Even though it's there she yeah. and big. And yeah, giant. It's yeah. like you could very easily make a, a squash mallow. Squash mallow? Yeah. Squish mallow. Squish mallow out of uh out of rock. Yeah. 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 And what I do wonder like if there is like they are coming out with plush ones, I'm yeah. sure. Probably. Yeah, I feel like squish mallows are just like um they're kind of like, uh, well, what do you what do you call those fucking uh, those little plastic figures? Oh, um, uh, fuck. You know what I'm talking about. Um, they're the dumbest things ever. E- oh my god! I know they're they're headquartered like in Everett. Really, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, you, with the big heads, you know what I'm talking about. Pops, Funko Pops, Funko Pops, Funko Pops. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, uh, Squishmallows are like Funko Pops for <laughs> girls in uh, DDLG relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I will say, like at least uh, Squishmallows are biodegradable to a point. Like, yeah, yeah, I, and, like, and, and they're like super like comfy. Like they're yeah. they're they're really nice to like. Hug what stuff. literally will you do with a Funko Pop besides add it to a landfill like, of one day? I, I understand like st- stimming the fuck out on like a, a plushie or something. Yeah. But like a Funko Pop is is dumb and uh it's made out of completely unrecyclable materials. Yeah. Completely. Like it will only end up in a landfill or the best thing you can possibly do with it is throw it in an incinerator and poison the planet a little. Yes. Bit. It's it's terrible. Like fuck Funko Pops. If you like Funko Pops, I'm sorry, but they're very dumb. It was it was funny. I remember like I think you know, like I think it was 2000 probably probably later earlier than that. It was very early, early 2000s. I remember first hearing about Funko Pops because like um a friend's boyfriend collected them. Mm-hmm. And this is when they were like, I guess only found in weird skate shops or something. Mm-hmm. And like, and I was just like, wait, he collects those things. Mm-hmm. And he, and he was like older than me, <laughs> like significantly older than me. I was like, Oh, that's very weird. 
Cause like, I was like, uh, and my friend was like, yeah, he collects, he's really into these Funko pop things. I'm like, well, that sounds stupid. And yeah. then flash forward. You know? It's like, it's like, uh, Robin Williams once famously said, um, cocaine is God's way of telling you you're making too much money. Yes. And, uh, Funko pops, same thing, same yeah. thing, but they can't get you laid. Like cocaine no. can very easily get you laid. Mm-hmm. Um, Funko pops cannot. Funko Pops, if anything, they're a pussy deflector. 100%. I would not uh, recommend trying sex on a bunch of Coke, though. Coke dick is a real thing. No fun. For mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wouldn't try sex on Funko Pops either. I'm sure, like, they seem round, but they also probably have some sharp edges. True, true. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can, you can train for anything, though. Yeah, but having sex on a bunch of them probably wouldn't feel good. Oh, on them. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Like oh, having okay. sex on Funko Pop. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were I'm, talking I'm, about putting it in. I made a little goof in the gaff there. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. A, g- uh, a gym gaff. A gym gaff. A gym gaff again. Yeah, he gaffed uh, again. A gym gaff. Gym again. gaff again on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so next we have a, a comment from um, Varite Rendition says uh earlier today for a series that at its core is about dressing up classic star trek tropes and presenting them to a new audience i have to say i'm pleasantly surprised by how unpredictable the series is turning out to be if anything i would have expected this episode to have the classic solve the holodeck mystery to get out ending only for that to get turned on its head by being the trap similarly i would never have expected doll to be a human augment of all things Mm-hmm. What the show has done with trick tropes all makes sense in context. So they're playing with them in a sensible and logical manner. But it's much more aspirational in its storytelling than I had been expecting. Yeah. Which has made the whole series quite refreshing. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Sort of like the, the you know, kind of positivity, you know, you kind of look for in Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I never... Yeah, thankfully that this isn't like gritty and depressing like so much of like Discovery is. Like or or Picard. Oh yeah, like like watching Discovery and Picard like so much of the time it ends on like such a dour note. It's yeah. just like, well, everything's fucked now. Everyone and se- cre- credits roll. Yeah, everyone like, seems miserable to be alive. Yeah, and we're <laughs> like even here like it's leaving us off on a cliffhanger like, oh, no, what are they going to do next? Yeah. Yeah. Not like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, everything. Everything's fucked. Yeah. And, uh, and and yeah, because that's one of the points I feel of Star Trek where it's just like it posits a world where, yeah, you, the problems come from from conflicts like this and mm-hmm. like personal conflict has more or less been resolved it's to a ba- certain point. Basically, it imagines a future where we're we have unfucked ourselves. Yes. Because we as people now are totally fucked and we have fucked ourselves. And, 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 and dedicating ourselves to self-improvement and, and self-betterment mm-hmm. and by through, through like exploration, um, intelligence, social, so, social interaction and stuff like that. And, and, and it's like, and everyone's like happy to be alive. <laughs> Whereas like, whereas like, I don't know, everyone in Discovery Picard just seems miserable and, and just hates existence. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Sad for everyone. Yeah. So, next we have a comment from uh, Uncertain Error, uh, said earlier today. Uh, this was an awesome malfunctioning holodeck episode. Feels like we haven't actually had one for quite some time, which is actually true. Yeah. 
And what a spectacularly hurtful ending. I'm convinced that at some point Gwen's going to go to Solemn, find the younger version of her dad, and maybe stop him from falling to evil. Mm. They laid the groundwork for that last week by saying that the Diviner was one of the ones tempted by the Federation at first. Hmm. An interesting idea. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I kind of wonder if maybe... Maybe she has some sort of, like, other... um origin story than she is than she thinks of like she could actually have been like a future from the future as well well yeah because we actually don't know Gwyn's origin we just know that the diviner said he made a progeny yeah at some point after he came through the wormhole so there and she had and we up between the time he exits the wormhole and the time we first like meet Gwen and the story starts is 17 years yeah and so there's a lot of time in there where anything could happen yeah, and because it doesn't doesn't. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. That was 20 years because you yeah. made you made yeah the copy three years after he was there. So, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, like you wonder like okay like did he is is she a, like a female clone of him or that's an interesting idea or like yeah or is she like somehow like uh, a being that was brought in the ship or something and then hatched or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, because he calls her a progeny. He doesn't. It's like obviously not his child. Mm. And so, like, where, I guess, what is her genesis is the question. Yeah. Like, where did she come from yeah. initially? And there's He could have laid an egg. Who knows? Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Uh, I mean, the, the trans community would love it if they had a literal egg cracking story. Mm. Which I'm, I'm all for that. You yeah. know what? Hell yeah. We, we could use more, like, uh, you know, uh, literary, literal, yeah, you know, non-literal trans references in kids' media. Yeah. I think that'd be that'd be cool. That'd be fun. And also, I don't think we've had like a character hatch well, from an egg. We also need more literal trans stuff in, in children's yeah, media. Of course. Yeah. Like children should be shown that trans people exist because mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people are trying to deny their existence, which is um yeah. bad. Yes. Evil. Evil. Evil even. Evil, evil Stevel. Okay. Uh next we have a comment from Das Gonan. Says, uh, I will say the black and white jazz club. I was expecting a name drop of Dixon Hill, but alas, it didn't happen. Oh yeah. Interesting that the briefcase was full of latinum though. An uncertain error responds. Dixon Hill wasn't black and white though. Maybe this is the same Gilded Age mobster program that Shax and Tiana <laughs> yeah. um, enjoyed. Which I, I, I did I have a thought that of that. Idea. Yeah. That, at one that point. would be, that would be amazing if they somehow stumbled on like, yeah, a gang, a bank heist sex scene god that would have just warped their brains <laughs> what i'm done mine just right <laughs> all right and uh we're gonna close out subspace transmissions on a comment from cypher 1492 1492 that's a terrible number to choose yeah i remember there's a uh that one uh crank book that fort called 1492 uh, it was like uh, positing that uh, the ch- uh, China discovered uh, huh. America. Interesting. I mean, yeah. the Chinese could have come here at some point. Well, we'd never know. Yeah. But um, so, uh, Cypher has a poem for us. Oh, boy. Twas a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a space that perhaps you've seen on your screens. For the story that you are about to behold begins with the holodeck programs, I'm told. Now you've probably wondered where holoprograms come from. 
If you haven't, I'd say it's time you've g- begun. For holoprograms are the result of much fuss and hard work for the computers that create them for us. Well, now you see, that's all that they do. Making one unique program, especially for you. But once a calamity ever so great occurred when a few holoprograms met by mistake. It sounds like um, Vincent Price's uh, monologue from Thriller. Doesn't it? A little bit. <laughs> like, I, just, I just saw this and I'm like, who the fuck writes this? Like, this is just... Oh you know God. what? You know what? I, I love it. I love it. When I, creativity strikes, you just got to flow with it. Yeah, you no, know that's, what? that's it. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I, I love this, but like, who is this for? Mm. I mean, I read it on our fucking podcast. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's now for like, you know, several hundred people who are listening. And you know, it's probably going to be beamed into space and it's going to be picked up by an alien race one day. Like yeah, that's, like, that's going to be the reason they come after us. Yeah. You destroy your planet. You reading this, uh, this, uh, this poem in, in Star Trek four, they weren't after whales. They wanted to destroy us. Cause we heard the fucking <laughs> yeah. poem. Yeah. I heard the worst shit ever. <laughs> Who the fuck writes no, this shit? It was, it was a good poem. Like, yeah, like I feel if you could read it with a Vincent Price voice and put had the thriller, thriller song going oh, in the background, it would have, it would have, it would have, it would have been seamless. Perhaps you're right. Yeah. Perhaps I, I fucked that one up. I'm sorry. I'll, no, do, I'll do better next time, everybody. I'll do yeah. the Vincent Price for you. Be best. Ooh, how about the Vincent Price is right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we have a one man that becomes a wolf. <laughs> Come on down. All right. Uh, so that's uh, all subspace transmissions. Yeah. Uh, with that, it's almost time to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. But before we do, do you want to say goodbye to someone who gave the ultimate sacrifice? Let's do the it. United Federation of Planets. Let's have a little eulogy for someone who gave it all with a little red shirt obituary they gave it all i was i can't remember well, the awaiting was in a pitch then somebody had to die but thanks a lot time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky hey it's the red shirt obituary today we remember mark brooks what mark brooks what who may or may not have been in Starfleet, but was listed in the Starfleet or Star, Star Trek Encyclopedia as a crew member who died uh, while uh, they were living and perhaps serving on the Enterprise D under Captain Jean Luc Picard. Mm. Brooks died in an unspecified accident sometime in 2366. He was survived by his wife and St. Janet Brooks, who had difficulty dealing with her grief and was eventually treated and counseled by Deanna Troy. Mm. So rest in peace among the stars, Mark Brooks, <laughs> and thanks for your contribution to the greater good, I guess. R.I.P. Mark. Yeah, so we used to work with a guy named Mark Brooks yeah. who went by Dark Mark. Dark Mark. Nice guy. Real nice guy. Yeah. We like Dark Mark. Yeah, he's got he's a good, good dude. Good dude. Uh, Yeah. So uh, that's about the end of the episode. Where can we find you on the old internet? Pat, 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 I'm at Potomac Bomb at Twitter and Instagram. Sick. And you can find me at Soy Trek pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fucking go check out soytrek.com though. Soytrek.com. We got a lot of shirts. We got a lot of fucking stuff going on right now. We got a sale going on. If you buy. 
uh, three shirts or more. If I can use uh, the fucking code uh, butt stuff, mm. you'll get 33% off your entire order. God damn. Yeah, that's a you're practically giving them away. It's a deep discount. No, we're still making tons of profit. No, no, uh, we're, <laughs> we're making we're making enough. Yeah, I mean our our I'd say our merch is very reasonably priced for handmade merch that yeah. we make and ship out from here and free shipping mm-hmm. and all that. So, you know, we we make a little bit. Yeah, we make enough to make it kind of worthwhile and f- pay for this entire operation. Mm-hmm. You know, grow as a little business and stuff. So. Yeah, supply vegan A's. Yeah, we uh, uh yeah, that's something maybe we should announce on the podcast. Uh as of today, I have bought officially a gallon of veganese for this podcast and we have used a, a little bit more than 3 quarts. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting there. We've used probably like 0.8 gallons of veganese for this podcast so far. Which, God damn. You know what? For a what like 7th month old podcast and yeah. you've only been part of it for follow up 5 months something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, fucking that's we've we've fucking cleared that veganese up, mm-hmm. my brother. It's clearing right through me, yeah. making me regular. Yeah, you've uh, you've actually been taking a bunch of dumps the last <laughs> few times we've done podcasts. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it hasn't it hasn't. I mean, it's become a regular thing. Whereas it used mm-hmm. to be like you might take a dump like once a month, but <laughs> yeah. I feel like for the last like three <laughs> or four episodes, like. There's been some point where we're like, I need to go take a poop. Yeah. And yeah, the last la- last two episodes, it's been like an urgent thing. Mm, yes, it urgent. Has. <laughs> yes, it has. Urgent, urgent, yes, urgent. Yes, it has. Urgent. Yeah. Um, I should just have a, I got a poop button. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Staples, that was easy button. Like, <laughs> I got a poop. <laughs> oh. Do my foghorn. Just with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, but that's about all I got to say about you. Yeah, I think I'm good. Neat. Well, with that, speaking of poop, Captain's Log, <laughs> supplemental. Well, that's it. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 21 says, never place friendship above profit. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks for checking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong in shocker. Soy, 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 soy,